Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Can salt really lose its flavor? In Matthew 5.13, Jesus makes a shocking statement. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, at first glance, this sounds a little ridiculous. Salt is salty. It can't be anything else. If it were anything but salty, it wouldn't be salt. And we know from science that salt can't actually lose its flavor. It can't become less salty. You can take salt now and put it in an airtight container and leave it for a long time. And if you pull it out a hundred years from now, it'll still be salty. So why would Jesus use an illustration about salt losing its saltiness? That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But what we need to do to really understand what Jesus is getting at is to look behind what he's saying into salt in the time and day that he lived. In the ancient world, salt was much more than just some white stuff that sat on your table in a shaker. It was so valuable that salt was actually considered a currency. And the reason for that is because salt is what allowed you to preserve food for a long period of time. There was no electricity. There was no refrigeration. You couldn't just walk into the kitchen in the middle of the night, pop open the fridge, and pull out a snack. That didn't exist. The way you preserved your food was through salt. Salt staved off spoiling. It kept food from rotting, and so it was extremely important to the society. Without salt, they would have no way to preserve food from one season to the next. And not just meat, but a lot of different kinds of food. Salt was even used in very small quantities as a fertilizer when planting. And so you can see that salt was extremely important to anyone living in this time. In fact, part of the Roman soldier's salary was even paid by the Roman government in salt. The very word salary is derived from the Latin word sal, which means salt. Because the Romans paid their soldiers this way, and so the word has become adopted into the English language as salary. But really, what it came from was the fact that salt was that valuable. It was more valuable than money. In order to understand this a little bit further, we need to get out of our modern-day concept of what salt looks like. Today, you could go to the supermarket and find all kinds of salt coarse salt, pink salt, kosher salt. For a few dollars a pound, you can go down to the store and pick up just about any kind of designer salt your heart desires. But what do all these salts that you buy in your modern-day supermarket have in common? They're pure. At some point, they were purified by someone somewhere, probably in a factory. Salt as it comes out of the ground generally is not pure, at least not in the area of the world where Jesus spoke these words. You see, up in Galilee, the way salt was derived was through purifying this salty slag that came from the marshes. This slag was not useful for anything. Sure, it was salty, 
But if you put it on your food directly from the marsh, you were probably going to break a tooth on a rock or some piece of debris that was in the salt. Because it wasn't pure salt, it was slag. It was a mixture of things that within their mixture contained salt. Just like anyone who's ever been on the beach and had the misfortune to get a mouthful of sand. It tastes salty, but it's not something you'd want to put on your steak. Now, if you've taken any time to read through the Gospels, you will see a lot of language where Jesus talks about a dividing. A great dividing of all peoples, where the righteous and the wicked will be divided from one another. And this really sets the core principle for what he's talking about when he says salt losing its flavor. See, it's not so much that salt can lose its flavor, it's that it can become mixed with other things. And in this area and in this time, the salt that they gathered was mixed with other things, and it had to be separated so that the pure salt could be useful. Now, refining this kind of salt in Bible times was an arduous process. It was slow, it was expensive, and it was difficult. What it basically entailed was that you would take this slag and you would put it in water and you would boil it. And when you boiled it, the pure salt that was within the slag would dissolve perfectly into the water. But all the dirt and all the rocks and all the debris, they would fall to the bottom or rise to the top and could be either scooped off or allowed to settle. And once the impurities had been scooped off the top and had settled to the bottom, the salty water could then be poured into another pot and boiled again. And this boiling process would be repeated over and over and over again until all the water had evaporated away and on the inner walls of the pot remained this thick crust of purified salt. And that salt would be chipped away from the inside of the pot and you would have pure salt that would be good for seasoning, that would be good for preserving food, and all of those other things that you use salt for back in that time. But this process took a long time, and a lot of wood for the fire, and a lot of time for a person to sit next to an extremely hot pot, and it took pure water, and so it was a very complex and difficult and very costly process. And so salt was very highly valued because it was difficult to get. But what about this idea of salt being less salty, or salt losing its saltiness? Well, this refers to everything that was left over, all the stuff that was mixed in with the salt. See, everything that was mixed in with the salt, the slag, the dirt, the impurities, the minerals, the rocks, they were really good for nothing except for one thing. Once the salt had been removed from this slag, it made an excellent hardening agent for roadways and rooftops. In other words, you could take this muck that you had distilled your salt out of and you could put it down on the roof, the flat clay roofs of the area. And when your kids would play up on the roof or when you would walk on the roof, you would trample this slag into the dirt of the roof or the dirt of the road or of the pathway. And it would become extremely hard when it was baked in the hot Judean sun. This was a waste product that they had found some form of use for, and the use was of the most dishonorable kind. It was only good to be stepped on. So we can see from this breakdown that when Jesus is talking about salt losing its flavor, what he's talking about is actually a situation in which the salt had become mixed with other impurities. As long as the salt was in its pure form, it was useful. But if it was mixed with things that were of no use then the salt, which was extremely useful, lost its usefulness. But why did Jesus choose salt of all the things he could have chosen to use as an illustration? 
Well, salt was a very important thing in life, as we had just talked about. But salt also held a very prominent position of being used as a picture of holiness before God. Salt is really only useful when it is 100% pure. And in the law of God, this purity became a picture of holiness. Now, the Israelites were actually required to season their burnt offerings to God with salt, not just the meat, but their grain offerings as well. In fact, they were required to make incense based on salt. Pure salt played an extremely important part in the worship of Yahweh in the Old Testament because it stood for holiness. It stood for purity. When salt was applied to anything, it purified it. For example, when you salted meat, it killed all the bacteria that caused the meat to rot, and the meat would be preserved. But more than that, salt also gave flavor to things. And so you have this substance that is both pure and useful, that makes other things pure and also makes them good. Add salt to your food in the proper amount, and it's delicious. Put salt on a cut, and as much as it might burn, it will take out and draw out any bacteria that might cause infection. Salt is useful. Salt is pure. Salt is good. Salt was a picture of holiness in the Old Testament. And if you spend any time reading the teachings of Jesus, you will know that he took a lot from the Old Testament and brought it into the New Testament. Jesus was linking the Old and the New together. He was showing his followers that the Old Covenant wasn't just gone, it wasn't dead. It still existed, and it was woven into the New Covenant. So when Jesus is talking about the impact that his followers will have on the world, he compares them to salt. Because salt is pure, his followers were to be holy. Salt is useful, his followers were to be useful. Salt brings preservation. The message of the gospel brought eternal life to the world. And salt kills bacteria that would cause rot, disease, and death. When followers of the king would come with the gospel into the world, it would be the antidote for the death that had been brought by sin because of the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. It is because of this that the metaphor of salt in the life of the believer in the New Testament carries on from the picture of holiness that salt played in the worship of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Believers are to be like salt. They are to bring holiness, purity, usefulness, and the antidote for sin, which is the gospel, with them into the world. The other main attribute of salt is that once you apply salt to something, you can never undo it. Have you ever been making food on the stove and you oversalted it? How do you take salt out? Once it dissolves into your dish, there's absolutely nothing you can do to get the salt out. You might add some more chicken stock, or you might try to add a little water to maybe get rid of the salt, but that won't really help in the end, ultimately, because if you boil off the water, the salt will stay. If you add the chicken stock, it will throw off the other flavors in your soup or in your stew. Once the salt has gone in, its effects cannot be changed. Once you salt a piece of meat to preserve it, you cannot unsalt it unless you wash away the salt. And even then, the salt is really in the meat at that point because it has been absorbed by the meat. And just like that, the followers of the king are to be salt to the earth. In other words, once Jesus sent his followers out into the world, the world would never be the same again because it had been exposed to the salt of the gospel. It had been exposed to the salt of the church. And now it was going to be forever different because of that salt. 
Paul even goes as far as to say that the believer's speech must be seasoned with salt. We must take the gospel with us wherever we go and be salt. Now, what does that look like practically for those of us who call upon the name of Jesus if we want to obey this and be the salt of the world? Well, first we must be holy. We must live a life that is undefiled by the impurities of this world. The salt that came out of the Judean salt marshes wasn't useful to be used because it was mixed with impurities. It first had to be subjected to heat and boiling water, and loving care had to be taken to purify it and to get rid of all of the things that were mixed with it that made it not beneficial for use. As believers who have been called out of this world, if we mix with the sin of this world, then we make ourselves unprofitable for doing ministry and for spreading the message of the kingdom. We aren't salt then. And then Jesus says we're not useful for anything because we've lost our saltiness. Why? Because salt changes? No, because we have mixed ourselves with things that cannot be used with salt. And when we are mixed with those things, our witness becomes unprofitable. Also, We must be useful to the world by carrying the message of the gospel of the hope of Jesus Christ to those who don't know Jesus. Salt affects everything it touches, and if we are pure and holy, then wherever we go, we will affect whatever we touch, because we will bring the light of the message of Jesus, the salt of his word, to those who need it. In a very real sense, we will bring flavor to the world. Because the world is without hope, the world is lost, the world is in desperate need of a Savior. And how will they hear about a Savior? Through the salt of the earth, a message that can bring hope, that can preserve for eternal life, that can purify from sin, and that can give the flavor of the joy of the Lord to those who are in need of that joy. You see, Jesus wasn't ignorant when he taught these words. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. Jesus was saying, if my followers are going to have an impact on the world, they need to be pure like salt. They need to bring a message that brings hope and salvation for eternity like salt preserves. They need to bring joy to the people around them by loving and serving them the way salt brings flavor to a good dish. Every follower of Jesus Christ needs to take a moment and ask themselves this question. Am I living my life in such a way that Jesus could say of me, you are the salt of the earth. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.